Hello and welcome to Indie Incursion, an indie games podcast, your weekly source for all the indie games news you need to know. This week we are bringing you, I'm fairly certain, four, yeah, four awesome indie games news stories. Uh, But before we get into any of that, I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Vaughn Hyde. I am one of your hosts, alongside my illustrious co-host, the biggest of average a Josh boys. How you doing today, Big Josh boy? I'm doing good, man. I'm glad to be back. Another week, another podcast. Here we are. I actually look forward to these podcasts every week. It's quite fun. Yeah. I it's pretty much the only time I talk to anybody and probably the longest amount of time I talk to anybody, so well, I you mean, feel special. Don't you live with your fiance? Uh yes. All right. I guess we'll just move on over yeah. that. <laughs> Take that as you will. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Uh, Anyway, how you been, man? How's your week been so far? Pretty good. It's a pretty good week so far. I mean, uh, I'm on the great search Mm. for a good MMO. So the only games I have been playing this week are MMO. Wow. Have you heard about that WoW Classic? I hear it's quite popular. Uh, Yeah, that's actually what I'm going to hop into after this podcast. I'm going to try it because Yeah, I downloaded it yesterday. Okay, so here's the whole thing. I'm going to go with my first of what I've been playing this week. So last week I said, yeah, yeah, instead of you this time. Because apparently you got a lot to talk about. I do. I'm just going to go quick. So instead of – I play Black Desert for a little bit. Um, I talked about it last week on the podcast that I was going to get into it. I found the combo system really interesting, but for some reason my – like there were certain combos I just literally couldn't do. Even if I was doing them 100% correct, it would not do them. Like the bow combo for the Musa or whatever, which is supposed to be the samurai, you're supposed Mm -hmm. to do the – right uh mouse button and that's my dash so every time i tried to it just dashed and i was like okay i guess i'm not doing this uh so i yeah decided to try to look into some different mmos um so before before we go into that why are you trying to get into mmos okay it's not it's not me trying to get into mmos (laughs) are you sure because it sounds like you're trying to get into an mmo oh i'm okay that is fair I'm not trying to get into the genre of MMOs because I've always been into them. I'm specifically trying to find one that scratches that itch because, one, I just really love MMOs. I, we've talked about this before that I love to play MMOs, but I love to play them solo. Yeah, so that's what's that's kind really of strange. A weird thing. That's why yeah. it, you haven't tried CrossCode yet, right? No, but I'm actually going to buy it. That's actually part of my story today. Okay, is yeah, because that, that's like the perfect game for someone like you, I feel like. Yeah, that's what I thought. And, like, last week I was talking about how I wish that developer would actually make an MMO based on that game. I would probably play that alone anyway, so I might as well just play CrossCode. It's true. So, I purchased... I was, like, I spent basically an entire day. I think I spent almost the entirety of, like, Saturday looking through the massive multiplayer games on Steam, specifically that tag, uh, so I could try to find a good MMO and of course i came across the standards like elder scrolls online black desert online um freaking guild wars and stuff like that but i was kind of just looking for something off the beaten path i currently Mm -hmm. have project gorgon and i might hop back into that one because it's a skills based mmo and i really like that um that's kind of what i was trying to look for was something like that skills based you say have you heard of maple story Okay, I have MapleStory 2 downloaded on my <laughs> my my desktop. <laughs> so yes, I have heard of it. Uh, 
can't say much more than that. I mean, I've seen some of these uh, like weird character art they did of their samurai riding a slime, and that's why I downloaded Maple yeah. Story too. Maple Story is super cute, but it's like it's a it's a grind. It's a real grind. I used to play it when I was in high school, like all the time, and man, I had some good times playing that game. Like, there are some memorable moments where it was just me and my friends messing around where we used to take off, like, all uh, the clothes that we had on our characters except for a cape, and we'd run around, and the way that text works in that game is it would just be, like, a text bubble above your head. So we just kept running around, and it would be, like, one friend chasing me, and then me naked with a cape on going, I'm naked, man, you'll never get me. And then just running through the city and like following people and annoying them. Like that part of the game I loved, but most of the actual part that they would want you to do was pretty much just grinding through enemies and leveling up and just a constant like continuous loop of that. Sounds like your high school years were quite interesting quite inventive yeah i mean i also did it in person too but you know it's all good <laughs> yeah that's your alternate like that's your uh alter ego is nicky man yeah it's true the big josh boy he uh he has a hidden identity which i guess is no yeah. longer hidden so damn <laughs> yeah you are florida's nicky man <laughs> florida man there's always one of them Oh my god, you are the United States penis's penis. I told you. The long dong. It just checks out. Everything is coming together. It's like that freaking Charlie's murder board on uh, Always Sunny. Mm, I don't really like being associated with a murder board, but yeah, that sounds about right. All right. I mean, I've said I killed you like four times. Oh yeah, that's true. All right, I totally derailed your (laughs) MMO story, so I'm sorry. Where were you going with this? So basically, I was just looking for a good MMO. I found a couple of different ones, and I had checked out their reviews. Surprisingly, uh, it seems like MMOs are really divisive on Steam, because <laughs> not many of them actually have positive review scores. Instead, mm. it's all, like, mixed or mostly negative. So I hopped into one called Legends of Aria, which I paid $30 for. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa, boy. Yeah. Yeah. Because it just sounded really, really cool, and I was really excited about it. I downloaded it, got into it, and I was like, wow, this chugs like a motherfucker. Have you played this more than two hours of it? real bad. Uh, no, I returned oh, it. Yeah, 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 that's yeah, how gonna I'm going to play CrossCode. Return that game right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's okay. That's exactly what one of my friends said, because I was telling him this story, and he was like, you bought it on Steam, right? And I was like, yeah, and he's like, have you played more than two hours? I was like, dude, I played literally for like five minutes. Because I tried to run, and I barely got, like, 10 inches. And then I realized when I went to go return it, I played for 20 minutes. When I thought about how much I played, I was like, I literally ran, like, 10 inches. (laughs) And then I, like, hit something, like, twice. That took me 20 minutes? Yeah. It's fantastic. I mean, that's memorable gameplay right there. Yeah, and you only get two skills, which is super fun. I was like, wow, I love this so much. It's it's fantastic. Everyone else whines about too many action bars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I definitely returned that. Um, Really pissed me off that even though I chose the Steam wallet option, Steam for some reason still took 24 hours to uh, give me my money back. I was like, (laughs) I feel like this should be much easier for you. So I don't understand the 24-hour wait time. But, yeah, now I've got 30 bucks um, on my Steam wallet, and I think I'm either going to pick up Elder Scrolls Online and or CrossCode. I'm probably going to pick up CrossCode. 
and Elder Scrolls Online because that's just what I do. Wholeheartedly agree that you should pick up Crosscode. Elder Scrolls Online, big old meh from me, but the first I one. I want to make a samurai definitely. boy. Eh, <laughs> I don't know. I played Elder Scrolls Online for like a little bit. I forget how I got it because I don't think I paid for it myself. I think someone bought it for me, which is kind of crappy on my part, but like. I don't know. I just, I just can't click. I, like, I never really have clicked with MMOs. It's just something about the way that I feel all MMOs feel, where you like, you go to use a skill and you hit something, and there's like this weird delay because obviously they have to have it because it's so much going on on the servers. So it's not like, like MMOs just never feel fluid to me, and I always feel like there's this weird clunky aspect that I'm just like, eh, I'd rather just play a single player game or a game that's multiplayer for like two people because i mean realistically i only have like three friends left out of like my normal group because i don't really socialize anymore since i'm old and you know who needs to do that but you've got me dude i mean yeah exactly and how many games have we played so far together none because you suck (laughs) (laughs) i told you to get rid of me bitch (laughs) anyway the point is uh, the game sucks. So anyway, I'll talk about games I'm playing if you're done. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally done. Oh, no, actually, I played some EverQuest 2. Oh. Dead MMO, but super fun. I made a rat boy. I really like it. But I literally ran into a veteran player who told me I was an endangered species. He told me that he hadn't seen a new player in that game in months. Wow. And I was like, wow, that's fucking cool. I felt cool about that. That's cool. But decided... If I actually wanted to play that like a game and wanted to get heavily invested, I should probably do it in one that's still alive. So I'm gonna hop into World of Warcraft Classic today. Wait, I don't understand. Why would that matter? You don't like playing with other people. Because I want to do group stuff. It's just eventually. It'll eventually come down to that. Like I wanna try raids, but if there's only twelve fucking people <clears throat> playing the game on Earth, a raid is impossible. Mm, I mean, if they've been playing that all their freaking life, they might be the best players ever. So they might have figured out a way to do it with just 12 players. I think EverQuest 2 came out in 2004, and it's still pretty great. I'm going to be honest, it's still pretty fantastic. I'm I'm probably going to hop in and out of it, because at this very moment, it's still free for me. Mm-hmm. The guy told me that once I hit level 20, I'd have to pay a subscription. Oh, that's that is also something that I didn't like, because yeah. I was like, okay, if I'm going to pay a $15 subscription every month, I'm just going to play World of Warcraft. Oh, that's another reason why I hate MMOs. That that pay subscription is really what uh, bugs me. I don't know. It's like the the earlier versions of the gotchas that uh, <laughs> they just they turned basically that into loot boxes instead. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of it either. Um, I love MMO. If there's anything, if there's a game genre that I like more than kind of like uh, 2D pixel platformers or pixel like action rpgs um or metrovanias pretty much just any pixelated game i should say (laughs) um other than hard ones because i'm not good at video games Mm. it is mmos i fucking love mmos and i yeah they're just they're just my jam i just love them for some odd reason and i couldn't tell you why but you gotta do what you love though yeah, I'm trying to fill that black pit where a soul should be, and uh, <laughs> I feel MMOs are just the right size, you know? Uh, I mean, it'll take up a lot of your life, so it's a good good choice. 
Ah, thank you. Thank you very much. So, what have you been playing since you're just... There's a lot. There's so many games you're playing. There's a lot. I want to talk about four games. One of them I'll save until we get into the news, but the first three I'll go on a rant because I've been playing a lot of games because my wife has been out for this week because she's off on work business stuff and I've just been alone at the house and I'm like what am I gonna do and it just diverts to me playing video games for much longer than I should and then like three o'clock in the morning rolls around and I'm like I should be in bed and then I'm really tired but I do it again the next day so uh, I've been playing a lot the first one is Creature in the Well Uh, this was provided to me by Pop Agenda and unfortunately, I did not like it. Um, it's it's a game I really want to love. Like, there's a lot in here that is super cool. It's basically this story of a worker bot who comes to this town where there's like, it looks desolate. There's no one around. But it's actually everyone is hiding. And there's this creature in the well that originally there was power and it was you know a a prosperous city but this creature came in and essentially got rid of those robots it seems like or some kind of deep story of him controlling them now and there's no one that's running this power plant or so to speak um and you just kind of show up everyone thought that these bots were lost but the creature is taking control of the town and you go in there and essentially you have to run through and restore power to this area as well as fight the uh creature in each of the little acts you try to fight him and he's throwing like attacks at you but it's essentially a pinball game but as an adventure game so you walk around and you have two basic attacks you have one where you smack these energy balls which are essentially the pinballs and you just smack them towards a certain direction and then you have another one where it's essentially charging them so it charges them up and puts electricity into those uh, pinballs as well as gathers them so that you can swat more than one at a time Uh, i think it's up to three i don't know if it gains more i've only played the first three maps basically um but there's a lot of little challenges to how you have to send the certain pinballs flying in a certain direction at a certain time you have to charge up certain devices it's it's very like playing a pinball game but you also have to manage things attacking you and running around as your character to to swat the pinballs that are flying around it's super hectic and it's really challenging i want to love this game it's super cool but i just could not get comfortable with the controls it felt so clunky to me and i just never i tried both on controller i tried on computer like keyboard and mouse nothing to me felt natural and i played it for uh, about two to three hours and i just i couldn't it just did not feel like it felt fun but it just didn't feel good to play unfortunately so I kind of I kind of dropped it because I was like I'm not gonna spend more time doing the same level that I keep failing because I just can't seem to get the timing right I can't seem to do it but I think that this is a really good game and there's definitely value here it just might not be for everyone because the controls are a little difficult to pick up. I'm really curious as to if Creature in the Well has motion controls on the Switch because it seems like you basically just be playing Wii Tennis and I think that's hilarious. Mm. That would be really interesting. I don't know if it does. I don't I don't think it does, but I, I guess it could work if just like flicking the actual Joy-Con would make it go in a certain direction. And I feel like that might be easier than 
the way they have it because essentially you have to like chart you have to press one button and charge and then you have to press the next one to unleash it so you have to attack with a different button and then you also have to dash and run with another button while you're doing that because things are attacking you and then you're basically throwing those pinballs at certain machines that will throw it back as attacks and if you're not charging then it'll hit you uh, or you could smack it back but you have to charge it because you have to retain a certain amount of energy because there's like a timer that's going down that you have to hit them at a certain angle and a certain speed and while you're charging you're like slowly moving back a little bit so it it, it's just it's it's all really well done in a way that i just could not feel comfortable with uh and so i just i didn't i didn't continue uh so from my abundance of research that i did in the past five seconds i'm gonna assume no because i googled it and just literally every other game that has motion controls came up instead of creature in the well so i'm gonna assume uh, creature in the well does not have motion controls but i will say i do enjoy this kind of resurgence of weird pinball s games like yoku's island express Mm -hmm. and creature in the well i think that's really cool um i used to be pretty into pinball games when i was a kid um before i realized that the internet could be used for you know things like masturbation and playing runescape so (laughs) like i'm glad that true entrance to the internet Yeah, exactly. That's what the internet is made for, is masturbation. So it's it's entirely made for porn. Yeah, there's That's a whole about song it. about it. Yeah, and it's uh, they did like a World of Warcraft music video just to lead it back to World of Warcraft once again. It's true. Do you know that that song actually comes from a really good play, a Broadway play called Avenue Q? Uh, you should go check it out. Everyone should go check it out. It's actually really, really freaking good. Anyway, side point. Um you want to hear a weird, like a uh, little little quirk nope. about me? Okay. Similar to my hatred of weird animation of video games, I despise sing talking. I hate it so much. <laughs> so I refuse to watch musicals. I hate it's it. It's so good though. It's basically like Sesame Street, but an adult version of it. It's so good. I don't mind singing. I just don't like sing talking. Where they're basically just saying a normal sentence, but singing it, I hate it so much. Mm. It's just, I don't understand why. I'm like, just fucking say it. <laughs> don't be weird about it. Just say it. I don't remember how much they use in that, but you should still see it. It's really good. Anyway, um, so I dumped Creature of the Well, and I was like, well, maybe another time I'll jump back into it, but not right now. There's too much stuff going on. Hence, I jumped into Dragon Quest Eleven. I tried out the demo that just came out on the Switch. Uh, An excessively long demo? Dude, it's nuts. Literally took me eight hours to finish this demo. And boy, did they leave you at such a terrible place. Like... You but your save transfers. They, so. Yes, I mean, that's fine. But it was more of like, what a like anticlimactic way to be like, the demo's done. Like, you get to so many points in this game where there's, like, a cutscene and there's, like, this big, like, influential part where you're like, oh, okay, this is interesting. This is probably where they'll stop it. And it's like, nope. Okay, the next one comes up. Oh, maybe this is where they'll stop it. No. And then you literally get to this one cutscene where they're like, hey, we need to go find this person. And you're like, okay, cool. And you literally travel from one town to the next and you get to a gate the cutscene, no cutscene plays, and it just goes. The demo's done. Do you want to buy it? <laughs> and you're like, what? 
How? Why would you end it here? Just end it at that last cut scene before this. Why would you just dick me around and make me ride on this horse to nothingness? So it's kind of like if you were on the highway, like an interstate highway, instead of taking any sort of actual exit, you just randomly like barreled into a field. Yeah, they're like, you're done. <laughs> I was so, That's fantastic. I was so, I, I did not like it at all. And the one thing about Dragon Quest Eleven or Dragon Quest games in general, I, okay, first off, I really enjoyed it. And it's going, I'd already picked it up. It's going to be the first Dragon Quest title I actually play. I'm a fan of turn-based RPGs, but I've just never been really that big into a lot of the, the bigger titles like Dragon Quest or Final Fantasy. I generally haven't played a lot of them. So I was really interested in this one just because Switch is such a great platform for RPGs. But the one thing I really hate about a lot of RPGs that have this kind of style is they give you a main character and they make him so faceless that it's like, what is the point? And I I understand the concept behind trying to make it more like, oh, we're not going to give this person voice acting or we're not going to give this person that much personality because then you can project yourself into it and make you feel like the character but like it's so boring when everyone in the game has these you know immense dialogue portions and then they look at you and your character just kind of waves his arms and then a text bubble comes up and says your character explained what's happening and it's like what why couldn't you just put a voice actor in there and just do it like i don't need to feel like i'm this person just let me see who this person is i want to see a story i don't want to like i don't don't know and maybe i'm alone in this but it i hated the fact that it was just an empty shell of a main character who goes through and just gives you a speech bubble every so often that's kind of weird i'm assuming they did that to make you feel more involved in the story and make it seem like your story and you got the exact opposite out of it exactly just like I, this guy just seems like a marshmallow. Yeah, like, that's he doesn't I, seem like anything special. It's because it's just like, it's generic hero. It's like, oh, you're here to save the day. You're the luminary. You're the person who's the all-knowing great person. You've come back and you're reincarnated and blah, blah, blah. It's like, it's very generic. Like the storyline to it so far has been very good versus evil. There's some interesting twists and interesting points that like, are still grabbing me and kind of making me go like, oh, well, you know, some of these characters are interesting. I want to see where this goes. Uh, I like the combat system to it. So that is also, you know, pulling me along. Um, but one of the th- the main things that I love the most in this game is honestly just their character design. Not specifically the characters, but the enemy, like the enemy character design. They're so wacky, goofy, cute. Like, they look so nuts because they're these weird, just regular animals who, like, have so much more personality than your main character. And they're so lovable and memorable because they're a lot of them are normal animals that are just, like, freakishly mutated that are just crazy looking. But they. Yeah, I'm looking at a picture of one that just looks like a cucumber with a face. I, was, I don't know. The character design for a lot of it is really cool to me. I think they did a great job with it. I'm really liking the aesthetics to it. Um, I mean, the this cu- looks fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I I really like it so far anyway, from the eight hours I've played of it, which is a crazy demo. Like, that's the thing. I would never have imagined anyone would ever put a demo out this long. I think it made sense when, like... Um, 
what was it? Octopath Traveler did like a three hour time window. And then they were like, okay, at that point you're basically shut out. But like Dragon Quest 11 did not need to put out an eight hour demo. I would have been fine with something much shorter. But granted, I did invest so much time that I'm like, well, I might as well buy this game now. <laughs> From what I understand, it's not even specifically eight hours. It's uh, like you have to get to the end of that. Demo. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing is like it could be a lot more if I just wanted to grind forever. Like I didn't have to stop. I could have just been like, I'm going to grind to level, you know, fucking 100 or whatever. But I just decided to at a certain point when I hit that like that brick wall of an ending i was like all right well i guess i'll just end it here and i'll you know i've got other games to to play i'll i'll pick it up when it actually comes out so so far though like i said really good but just weird ending and i hate the main character yeah uh, i was listening to game spot after dark last week and one of the uh one of the like co-hosts on it said that he has put like 11 hours into this demo mm-hmm like, holy yeah, you, shit. you very well could like there was definitely like because that's the thing with me in RPGs like I don't like I do like to run around and explore a lot and I think this world is good for it but there were parts where I was just like where I get fatigue after playing so long for an RPG and I'm just like well let's find out what more of the story is or like I'm done you know just randomly grinding so I could have spent longer and if it was a full-fledged title I probably would have but hitting that brick wall I like I even said I was I was playing with uh, someone like on Discord. He was doing something else, but I was just online talking while I was playing. And I was like, oh, no, I don't want it to end. I was like, maybe I'll grind for a little more. And then I kind of did that for like 10 minutes or so. And I was like, eh, what's the point? I'll just <laughs> I'll just wait. <laughs> but And then you found out that the ending was still like five hours away. <laughs> no, no, I, I had already known where the ending was. Um, <laughs> but it's but it's all good. I, I'm definitely looking forward to it. And then the last thing I want to talk about, which is really quick, um, I've just been playing a bunch of the games from the new Super Nintendo titles that uh, got put on Switch based on the Nintendo Switch Online membership. So it's $20 a year, and right now they release 20 different games for it, all from Super Nintendo Lifespan. Um, man, I love this era of games. There's so many good ones. I, I really love, uh, and one of the ones that I love the most is actually pretty weird, is Kirby's Dream Course. It's like a putt-putt game, but with Kirby. I don't know why. That sounds I just, fantastic. I have so much nostalgia <laughs> for it. I used to play it all the time, and it's just, it's really good, because it's just this system of playing putt golf, but like, he'll hit certain enemies, and it'll give him a, an ability. Like, one of them will make him jump really high. One of them will make him so that he can turn, like, the spark one, where he turns, like, electric. And it'll change how you have to get to the end hole or how you go through certain enemies. So it's just, I don't know. It's It was a really smart thing. It's very wacky, but it's so fun. I, I'm so glad that they're making the Super Nintendo t uh, titles and putting it on the Switch just because I have a lot of nostalgia for those classic ones. Um, I even wrote up an article which just released on Parallax Media of all the games that I still would love to see come. Where's my Super Mario RPG? I need it. But otherwise... Yeah, they they haven't announced... Um, I think Nintendo specifically said they're no longer doing the monthly, the, uh, thing. The monthly stuff. Yeah, yeah, but they haven't announced how they're going to do it other than saying that it's not monthly, right? Yeah, yeah. They haven't said anything more to that fact, which I'm fine. It doesn't have to be a monthly thing. I just... I want to... I know there's certain games, like especially the ones that I put on my list that I'll never get to see uh, just because of like weird licensing issues, but I really want Square to 
figure that out and be like, yeah, we're okay with it being free and have Nintendo redo or just port Super Mario RPG. Or, man, if they could make like a remastered version, that would be a dream come true. I love that game. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think it's a pretty awesome like value proposition now because not only did they give you just SNES games entirely, but they gave you 20 and didn't increase the price yeah, of dude, the it's, actual package. It's pretty pretty nutty like <laughs> it's such a good deal i cannot believe that they're still just like i hope that they kind of do increase the price because i'd like them to improve their infrastructure and they definitely have the reliability of like hey it's a good deal kind of a thing for them to push for it i know that's kind of a dumb opinion to say like i want to spend more money but like at the same time i would like for them to feel the um the pushback of people being like, yeah, it's okay. We'll pay more money. Give us more of these games. Give us more of a, a you know, a cleaner infrastructure that works a little bit better. Um, but so far it's definitely been well worth it, especially cause I didn't actually pay for it. Cause Twitch prime, uh, I think they're still doing it. Twitch. If you have Amazon prime, they're giving like a year away of a super, or I don't know why I said super, uh, Nintendo switch online service. So I basically just have it for free and I've been playing all these games and it's such a great time. Do you, would you say that like the inclusion of all of these games makes up for its kind of lackluster actual online? Oh offering? no, not at all. Not at all. It, it doesn't make up for it. It makes it worth it that you like, okay, how do I, how do I phrase this? It doesn't make up for the fact that their infrastructure sucks but it just makes it reasonable that people would want that like that service changes it's no longer a a conversation of you have to have this to play online games it's more of like there's so much content and games that you want and then there's this added bonus of like and also you need it for online anyway so you might as well pick it up like the conversation has definitely shifted in my mind on that service and that's kind of why I wish they would charge a little bit more or at least put some of that revenue that they're getting from this to clean up their act on a lot of the online capabilities. Um, but like I said, it's still a great service that I think everyone should be throwing just $20 for all of these games. Yeah, I'm definitely thinking about it. It looks pretty fantastic, and there's a lot of games that I want to try out in that generation. Yeah. Um, but I would like to, just speaking of the games you are currently playing this week, I'd like to hop into our first news story. Let's do it. This is over on Game Informer. It is written by Andrew Reiner, I'm assuming is his last name, and it is Celeste Free Chapter 9 DLC arrives on September 9th. So as of this recording, it is already out. Yes. So if you are a Celeste fan, it is free. You could just go play it. That's true. Yeah, that's pretty fantastic. And I will give you an added bonus. Uh, Limited Run sent me an email oh. saying... Oh, here we go. The, yeah, yeah. That I'm going to be getting my Celeste Collector's Edition in, like, October. Which is Ooh, still... That's... It's a ways away, but at least I know it's coming. Yeah. So that's sweet. That's... Yeah, yeah. I mean, October's not too bad. It's only, it's only like, a month. You're... Well, it's, like, the end of October, so... Uh, all right. Well, <laughs> in a month and a half. You're, you're fine. You'll be fine. Yeah, it's not too bad. I'm pretty excited <laughs> about it. It comes with a little, like, plush of a strawberry. So, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You have Celeste already, though, right? 
Yeah. Okay. All right. Do you? How far did you get? Did you get to to the actual end game content? No, huh? I didn't. I haven't beaten Celeste yet. I was gonna hop back into it when I got my physical release. Okay. As far as I got was um, the section of the game where you go to like the the ghostly hotel, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and at the end of that, when you get chased, that pissed me off so much that I didn't. I stopped. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you could always play with assist mode on as well. That'll make it. Yeah, but I feel like a bitch. <laughs> I know. I've gotten, <laughs> I've gotten all the way. So I'll, I'll talk a little bit about it actually before we go into the news story, just really quick. So um, Celeste Chapter Nine came out, and I didn't even realize, but I didn't beat the end game content, and I never played Chapter Eight, and I was like, oh, damn. I need to do like a bunch more before I even get into the DLC. So I had to, cause one of the things is they kind of like stop you at chapter eight and they're like, Hey, you have to go get some hearts first because there's blue hearts that are like collectibles on each level that are in a lot of case, very puzzly to find. Like they're, they're really weird. Like some of them are just like hidden because you have to use this weird side hack where you get your dash back. If you go to a different screen and you like hack your way up just in the air and then another one there's a bunch where you have to just dash in a certain pattern in like a one this one area and like i definitely didn't find those out on my own i just googled it because i was like well i want to play this game let me just get the hearts so i got four hearts which is what you needed to do chapter eight i played chapter eight which is the core of the mountain which was super fun and i was like damn i should have actually played this back in the day um but then i got to chapter nine and man it is so much rougher than like chapter one through eight and i don't mean rougher in a bad way i mean like it is brutal the amount of time i spent on each individual stage is like crazy and I, I was playing for so long. Like, I must have played for a couple hours. And I played for so long. And I was like, man, I'm getting really, like, far into this. I'll probably be done soon, like, I, I felt like. And so I got all the way through. And I never put on assist mode. And I was like, okay, I'm doing pretty good. Like, it's taken me a long time. Because there's, like, all these new mechanics where there's, like, jellyfish that you have to grab. And you, like, they'll float. And you jump up and grab them. And it'll, like, make you dash in a certain trajectory and give you more air and you have to bounce them off of a wall like while you're midair drop the jellyfish towards a wall have it bounce back jump back up and dash into it so you go higher and it's like there's a lot of mechanically very intensive things that this game asks you to do and you have to be very pixel perfect in a lot of areas for this one so it was like very intense but super fun it was celeste is a weird game where i feel like i can play the same level in the same stage for like you know a ton of time and never feel like angry like i do in like a a souls like game kind of a thing i get that immediate moment of like oh god come on like when i die but it's always like i'm usually laughing at it or i'm like oh i could have done that like oh so stupid like it's a much more joyous kind of like failing i don't know how to really describe it better than that but it, it was super fun and I got all the way to the certain point without putting assist mode on and it's this black heart and I was like oh another heart and I like dashed through it and it was like empty space is what you got and it was like what and it's basically the whole part of this chapter is that a loved one has passed away and she's dealing with that and so when I got to that point 
I thought it was the end and it's like, nope, that's not the end at all because it's like, oh no, there's like all this empty space in my heart, like blah, blah, blah. It's the whole metaphor for it. And she goes through and I was like, oh man, there's so much more left. So I was like, okay. And I rushed through and it, it gets to this part where all of a sudden this giant wall slams down and it's like, okay, you have to have all of the hearts in every level to get past this. And I was like, well, I'm going to stop here. <laughs> And so yeah, that sounds excessive. Yeah. And so now I have to go back and collect all the hearts. And I was like, okay, I'll go do this later. I, you know, I've got other stuff that I have to get to, but like that part was super fun. I was like, I wonder how far I've gotten in it. And so I just, I checked a speed run of it. Cause I don't care about spoilers or, you know, ruining things for me. I just wanted to see how much I really had left. And I was like, Oh, okay. I've done a third of chapter nine. <laughs> holy shit yeah and i was like oh damn and so i started watching and like i'm a little bit hesitant because the second and third half of the game uh or of the dlc is constantly making you do what's known as wave dashing and wave dashing is a tech in celeste where it essentially makes you dash really quickly downwards towards the ground and jump up right at the same time you dash to make yourself basically bounce off and go super far, super fast and really quick. And it's a strat that a lot of pros in the speedrunning community have always used, but it's never been asked of the player to actually know how to do that to complete these levels and now you have to do that. And I have never been good at wave dashing. I think it's incredibly hard because I play on Joy-Cons and I play with the like the actual joystick so it's super annoying because i generally will be a few like millimeters off and it'll dash the wrong way half the time so i was like a little bit of maybe i'll just quit you know (laughs) kind of a thing and just be like i got that far in chapter nine i pretty much did it but then i saw how like far away i was and i was like "Mm, i really should so i i plan on going back to it later but it, it is just annoying that it makes you go back and collect all the hearts again i i get that there's like a certain element of you should play the full game to get to the end kind of a thing but i'm like i just want to play the hard levels and see if i can do it you know but i'll go back eventually so far though it's been a blast it's an amazing game it's definitely hands down like that like just that dlc is a top contender for some of the best uh, portions of game I've played all this year. So would you say that chapter nine is more of like for veterans of Celeste in a yes, sense, specifically sure. because yeah, of these hearts and needing to know these pro strats for sure. This is more of a veteran style, but like you could still do this for assist mode. Um, but this that is a good point. That's always there. Like, yeah, this, I, and I read something, it was an article on, I think it was Kotaku or I can't remember, but someone had wrote about how they, they played it and they like, it taught them humility in the fact that they were like, they, at a certain point were like, yeah, I, I definitely can't do this. I'm just going to turn assist mode on. It's okay. Like, <laughs> because it's, it's true this game gets super tough and there was there's literally like there was a stage specifically where and now i can definitely do it and i i just played it so much that i finally got that rhythm down but i literally spent probably 30 minutes on just one screen because i could not get the tech down correctly of throwing this jellyfish and jumping up at the right time It seems like Celeste has really, like, within the past two years, has really taught gamers about uh, just perseverance and, like, teaching you that you can actually do something and pretty much that it's 
that it's okay to ask for help. There's no shame in it, let alone the <clears throat> obvious like bits of mental illness. But yeah. I mean, it's I a, it's, it's about a time. Uh, oh, sorry, no, no, go ahead. No, no, I was gonna say we should probably get into this article, but yeah, you feel free to say. Yeah, no, I, I was just gonna say it's it's really interesting that you bring that up because that exactly what you said is such a super cool metaphor for what the entire game story and lesson is based around that is very true so this article written by andrew rayner is uh late last year matt thornson one of the creators of celeste took to twitter to thank fans for helping celeste reach 500,000 copies in sales and also said that he and his team were working on some farewell celeste levels he also added that they are very hard which it sounds like they definitely are <laughs> uh those levels are actually a part of the ninth chapter called farewell players who jump back into this difficulty and uh uh, uh, sorry, players who jump back in into this difficult and excellent platformer will be greeted with over a hundred levels and uh, new story material. The DLC, which is coming to PlayStation 4, PC, Switch, and Xbox One, is being released by Thornson's new company, Extremely OK Games. Uh, former publisher <laughs> Matt Make Games Inc. Uh, is a thing of the past. The name change reflects Thornson no longer making games by himself. Farewell also brings over 40 minutes of new music from uh, Lena Rain, I believe is the way you say her name, mm -hmm. and a variety of new mechanics and items to discover. Uh, jump into chapter... Oh, yep. Uh, you can't just jump into this new chapter, though. You'll need to complete chapter eight yep. first. Very true. Yep. Like Josh <laughs> just said. And, of course, we still have... A bunch of Celeste news, actually. We have two different Celeste stories to talk about today. I actually just have to, like, copy and paste it before I can talk about it, you know? Because I'm not prepared <laughs> for this at all. Those good old transitions are very smooth. Yeah, it's pretty fantastic. Uh, our next news story is written by Tom Marks, and it is over on IGN. So this is for all the Celeste fans that are like, Man, after Chapter 9, I want even more Celeste. Haha, -ha, F you. Uh, Celeste <laughs> sequel... Probably won't happen, developer says. On Monday, Celeste will get a free update that uh, that adds a brand new chapter called Farewell, and that title could be a goodbye to Celeste in a broader sense beyond just the story it tells. Obviously, Monday has already happened. You'll be hearing this on Friday, so you can you can go play this and kind of just say bye to this fantastic platformer and you know your sanity. Really, that's that's probably what you'll be saying goodbye to. I more. mean something Often. like that depending on yeah. how good at games you are yeah or for me not not well at all how yeah, willing so. you are to turn assist mode on dude i'm gonna go fucking insane i'm probably gonna try the part that i'm on like two more times and i'm like screw it dude i'm gonna do this in baby ass baby mode i'm just gonna freaking play through with all the assists i don't care i mean yeah it the the other chapters weren't too bad but like especially the later end of this game i do not blame people for turning assist mode on. It took me quite a while. <laughs> uh, so, Chapter 9 is a sizable update that has been in the works for a while, but as the team uh, behind this indie hit fully... Uh, yep, the uh, team behind this <laughs> yep. indie hit <laughs> fully moves on to his next project. A new unannounced game developer, Matt Thornson, tells, uh, tells me... Okay, he told him through email that Celeste does not have plans uh, mm -hmm. for a sequel. Uh, we do not 
want to make a sequel to Celeste, Thornton said over email ahead of Chapter 9's launch. Maybe in the future we'll change our minds, but right now we don't know if we'd do a sequel justice. And besides, we're way more interested in making uh, something new for our next full release. Celeste has found incredible success since its launch in January 2018, with Thornton telling me it's currently approaching... A million copies sold, a feat they called unbelievable. Yeah, that's pretty fantastic. Considering the last one was just talking about when they announced the Farewell DLC, they had only uh, actually had half that. Mm -hmm. Now they have a million. So that's pretty fantastic. Yeah. Uh, They said that good fortune has... Oh, they said that good fortune has really given us a space to create on our own terms for the near future. Uh, It's also already... Oh, it's... Uh, God dang it. I just can't read. Uh, it's also allowed them to do things like release Chapter 9 for free, uh, something that's awesome for fans, but Thornton admits it's crazy to even be possible. Right. First of all, we <laughs> we really should be charging for it, Thornton said, <laughs> explaining that they don't like setting expectations that expansions of this size should be free. For reference, Chapter 9 bring Celeste's total amount of levels to over 800, uh, adding more than 100 new ones all of uh, all on its own that have new mechanics, story, art, music, and more on display. But Thornton is also talking about more than just Celeste here. We want to uh, we want to be clear to our audience that we're that we're only able to release this uh, for free because we're in a very fortunate position right now and that is really uh, that this really isn't a reasonable thing to expect from any developer including us in the future. They explained that providing chapter 9 for free was ultimately a design decision uh, as charging for it would force us to approach it as a new product which would constrain us in some ways that didn't feel right. But Thornton's stance on the value of development time is an important one especially as gamers uh, especially as games get cheaper or flat out free across <laughs> the board get cheaper and is also a thing yeah that's very true <laughs> and developers are often expected to keep uh, them alive forever with free updates like this so that's about as far as i want to go into this article just because tom marks wrote a pretty comprehensive and awesome article uh, and has this pretty fantastic interview with Matt Thornton. So I'd recommend everyone go and check it out. There's a lot more that Matt says, but I love that he brings up the fact that the gamers should not get accustomed to the practice of giving DLC for free because this is something that I have spoken about pretty... I mean... Yeah, we've talked about this. Yeah, we've talked about it a couple times and how much I hate that indie games give their DLC away for free, even though it's consumer friendly. I just feel like it sets sets a bad precedent. And I'm glad that indie devs, in in some cases, see it that way, too, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that they're kind of valuing their creations in such a in such an important way. Yeah, I mean, it's true. There's a lot of content in this, like just the fact that, like I said, I played for like a few hours thought i was like oh i'm probably close to the end of this because it's just you know a free dlc and then i was like oh my god i'm only one third of the way through like there's a ton of stuff that they put into this um yeah 100 levels is massive yeah let alone all the additional like story art music that's that's Mm -hmm. pretty fantastic Mm -hmm. for a free dlc yeah obviously it really is it is a little upsetting that they don't plan on doing anything else with celeste um i'm i think it's a good 
call because I don't think they could realistically do a good job. Like they definitely did with this one. I think the theme that they added to it was really on point with a lot of the struggles that, you know, people will feel and it's very relatable in the story of it. But I don't think that continuing the story of Celeste would really be viable. And I think it's one of those things where if you start adding to it or you keep, you know, it's like, um, what's the saying where it's like die die as the hero or live long enough to become the villain kind of a thing where yeah it's from the dark knight yeah <laughs> where if you essentially it's basically like that it's essentially if they keep making it it just becomes when is the point where celeste kind of loses its uniqueness or its shine like i think this is a good stopping point i think this is where it should kind of die but at the same time I would love for them, and I don't know why specifically, and I think it's just because of all his work that he keeps doing in Mario Maker, but I'd love for them to do something like that, but with Celeste's world, to be able to use all of the tools in Celeste and be like, hey, here's everything we use to build our levels, run with it, basically. Like, I think a Celeste Maker would be insane and really, really cool. Yeah, I agree. That would actually be really awesome. I didn't even think about that, and it would kind of give the celeste name like some longevity it's just people making their own levels it doesn't need to have a story mode or anything like that that would be really really cool i would like that and i also like the fact that like the uh, making a sequel and just doing it to make money is obviously like he he sees it seemingly as like a cash grab and he wants to do a sequel justice if they even make a sequel and he's like we know we can make a lot of money on it that doesn't matter what we want to do is make a good story and not kind of taint the name Mm -hmm. of the game by putting out something that's just kind of hollow and lifeless which is just fantastic he obviously sees the way the i'm not going to say sees the way the game should be made but he sees what gamers i don't know want in a way yeah no it's it's really smart like this company is obviously in the um the place to start taking risks they're in a you know financially well-off position especially with this dlc coming that's you know it's not bringing in revenue as far as the dlc side of things but it's also getting new players to join because it's bringing more hype and more marketability um so i think it's it's the right idea to say you know let's not jump right into a sequel of celeste 2 because it's better to start off with something new you know build learn this is the time to take those risks where you can and then maybe after you know their next title or the next two titles they'll be like well now we've you know experimented with different things we've learned more we're ready to tackle celeste 2 and make it something that could actually be improved now that we've done more with our company and with our you know experimentation of different game elements yeah and you never know maybe they'll just go through a bunch of hardships in life and really just be in that zone again to make celeste too <laughs> i'm not gonna uh, I, i'm not i'm not hoping that happens yeah that's a, a weird seems like being a game developer is a pretty hard thing to do so you never know i mean that's very true seems like an inevitability but speaking of an inevitability or lack thereof seemingly Ooh, our next news story is on uh, Nintendo Life, and it is written by Ryan Craddock. It is Bloodstained Team shares update on incoming Switch fix, which is kind of funny because they share an update on an update. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But there's still no set date. Uh, As you may recall or even remember firsthand, if you bought it, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night on Switch didn't quite reach fan expectations 
expectations in the overall quality department at launch. With assets, le uh, assets less impressive than other versions, a weaker frame rate, and frustrating load times all adding to a disappointment. The team behind the game promised an update to enhance the overall experience and fix, ma fix major issues. Uh, that promise came in July and... While the patch still hasn't arrived for Switch owners, the team has now provided an update on <laughs> how things are going. Sadly, a release date for the fix is still unknown. Uh, as mentioned, and this is the these are the developers talking. These are quotes from them uh, in this Nintendo Life article. As mentioned in the last update, the bulk of our development resources are still being put into the major Switch update. We don't have an ETA to share with you on the full revamp, but we. We are on track to deliver on our initial oh on our eternal dates one of the things the team is doing now is going through the game and identifying visual effects that are slowing things down where <laughs> where possible we have optimized or replaced effects with ones that aren't as impactful but visually look the same uh, once once the revamp is made public you'll see effects uh, that are more clear and won't drag down the frame rate. We have a lot more of these kinds of improvements in progress uh, with tons of work being done on important... Uh, done on input delay, not mm -hmm. important, on <laughs> input delay, uh, stability and more, but we felt that this was important to give you an idea on what's being worked on. Uh, as you can see, the majority of the studio's resources are now being used to work on the Switch update, although other updates for all platforms and bug fixes across the board are currently being worked on too. Uh, when all is complete, it'll be time for the team to work on additional content. So, Get your this shit game's together. still not fucking fixed on <laughs> Switch. <laughs> and mean, doesn't seem to be like getting fixed anytime soon yeah i only have one thing to really add to this and it's it's basically the um the comparison to how hello games treated this um so hello games had you know the same thing with no man's sky where basically they messed up they done goofed it was a really bad release and then they kind of just went in the dark yeah, they and just I, disappeared. And I feel <laughs> like that's the way they should really be taking this because it just seems half-assed with what they're doing. They're literally saying, hey, here's an update. We're still working on it. Like, yeah, we get it. Like, no one thinks you would just up and leave now. And if you did... I mean, it's kind of me. The fact that they're giving these updates, I'm like, dude, would it be hilarious if, if they just, just not didn't update it? it? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like it's even worse that they're just being like, we're going to meet our internal dates. Like, give us your internal dates then. If you want to be transparent, be transparent. Like, don't don't try to just halfway be like, we're we're still trying, guys. Here, here's some, some info, but not all of it. Like, don't, like, either give it to us or just go in the dark and then work on it and come back and be like, here's the update, sorry. Yeah, stop giving us updates on updates and instead just work on your update. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's, I mean, that's all I really have for it. That's how I feel, but I just, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like they're going the wrong way with it. I Yeah, I really hope that they fix the Nintendo Switch version soon, but ultimately, I, I'm going to be honest, I didn't really like the game anyway, so yeah. it doesn't really impact me, but uh, I really hope that people who bought it on Nintendo Switch can now actually play the game. 
So that'd be pretty fantastic. Um, <laughs> our next news story continues to be on Nintendo Life. It is written by Liam Doolin, I believe is how you say his name. And it is Microsoft focused on launching Ori sequel exclusively on Xbox One and PC. Follow the recent announcement of Ori and the Blind Forest on the Nintendo Switch. There have been requests for the sequel to also make the transition across to the hybrid system in the future. So what are the chances of this actually happening? Microsoft previously stated it had no plans uh, to further expand first-party exclusives to other consoles. And during an interview with MCV, uh, Xbox GM Aaron Greenberg was eager to reinforce the fact that Ori and the Will of the Wisp would a wisps it's plural there's multiple wisps uh would launch exclusively on xbox one and pc Mm -hmm. and i really love that they include the quote that basically just says the same thing (laughs) that he just said it says our plans with or in the will of the wisp is to launch exclusively on xbox one and on the pc in case he didn't believe him Yeah, you just had to reiterate that. Thank you so much. Uh, As for how the original game made it across to the Switch in the first place, Greenberg explained Moon Studios, the team behind the title, simply asked for, uh, simply asked, and Microsoft was happy to cooperate. So hopefully, there's a chance that the sequel make will make the Switch as well. Uh, we understand the their desire to bring the game to the Switch, and uh, in this particular case, we were happy to support them, and we think that makes sense for the original Ori. I don't see how it would make sense for the sequel. I feel like it that's a not. weird way to say that, but I uh, mean, well, okay. I mean, it's pretty obvious. Like, this is super smart from Xbox. I think this makes a lot of sense that they're just capping it for a timed release because otherwise, if Xbox is playing nice with everyone, it's super cool from Xbox's side, but not from a business standpoint. That is true. Yeah, it's going to be less of it. It's not going to be thought of as an exclusive. It is instead going to just be another like indie platformer. Yeah. So, so yeah, like, I. I definitely understand it. I just don't like the wording where he says, like, if it makes sense kind of a thing. I'm like, I mean, it makes sense. It's just, okay, whatever, dude. Like, (laughs) that's a weird way to say that, but cool. Yeah, I had assumed that Ori and the Will of the Wisp would not, at least at release, release on, or at least on release day actually come to the nintendo switch but uh it seems like there are no plans to do it at all i'm interested to find out if it was actually just as easy as asking xbox like asking microsoft hey can we put or in the blind forest on the switch and they're just like sure why not (laughs) yeah i i'll ask for a couple of games if that's if it's that easy yeah, right. Literally, beginning of this article, they're like, "Hey, yeah, people were asking for the for the fucking uh, sequel to come to Nintendo Switch." So, hey, people asked, dude. I mean, what's up? Yeah, I guess so. Put it on the Switch. I mean, it you makes already sense, set precedent though. Like we we already heard there was like a an article and some talk about how like Microsoft has no plans for bringing the you know their their next big things to any other consoles. Which, like I said, once again, it just makes sense. Like. This is not their time to be friendly. This is their time now, especially that they bought all these studios to be like, yeah, we're still going to buddy up with Nintendo and whoever wants and we're going to play nicely. But you also need your own games like there's a reason why PlayStation is doing so well. Yeah, this is the time for them to beef up the offering for their next console. Exactly. That makes a whole lot of sense. Big Josh boy. But you know what else makes a lot of sense? Newsgram. 
cram, 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 cram. <laughs> I like how that one kind of sounded like the. That's, yeah, it's pretty fantastic. Yeah, it's not what uh, I was going for, but it just kind of happened at the end there. Uh, sometimes you just got to improvise, you know? Uh, News Cram is our weekly wrap-up segment where we, the hosts of Indie Incursion and Indie Games podcast, cram you full of all sorts of Indie Games news. This week on News Cram, we actually don't have any quick Indie Games news story for you, but instead have a whole lot of new stuff. Technically, I could have written some of these as news stories, but or at least like one of them specifically because it did have some additional news in it, but... The news was more, like, contextual to why the game had been delayed for so long, so I decided to actually not write that in news and instead just include it as new stuff. Uh, So, for our first item in this week's new stuff, uh, it is only tangentially related in indie games, but uh, that doesn't really matter. I don't care. I'm just going to do it anyway. Uh, that is the inclusion of Undertale Sands in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate as a costume for the Me Gunner. This outfit is available now and can be purchased for di- for the dirt cheap sum of $0.75. Cents. And as an added bonus, uh, Sands is accompanied by a sweet Undertale remix track arranged by none other than Undertale creator Toby Fox. Uh, super cool. This next one, yeah, that's pretty fantastic. <laughs> Have you... I don't even know. Do you have uh, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate? Yeah, 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 I do. But uh, are you gonna pick up the the Me Gunner? No, Sans no way, there? no way. No, I don't care. I don't cool, care enough because it's cool. just a Me Gunner. If he was like a, his own character, I might consider it. But I'm also not paying for the Fighter Pass, even though uh, I really want Banjo. But I mean, nah, I'm not gonna do it. So this is something that I I seemingly just don't understand. Is it um is it optional to purchase the fighter pass or just purchase like the So I know you could purchase the fighter pass to get all of them, mm-hmm. but is it possible to just purchase each individual character? I believe so. Uh let me do some snooping and I'll answer that later. All right, sounds good. I've got a whole bunch of more new stuff to talk about anyway. Uh, six years after its announcement and subsequent alpha voxel-based action RPG, Cube World is finally launching on Steam uh, by this October's end. That is the game that actually could have been a news story because the article that... Uh, there are several articles about this um, on, I believe, what I found was on Polygon, but I think there is also one on IGN possibly or Game Informer. I'm not 100% sure but they go in much more in depth and describe why the creator kind of just abandoned this game after having released it in alpha on uh the on steam but feel free to go check that out i would definitely check it out they seemed it seemed like an interesting situation but i felt like it wasn't all that newsworthy yeah kind of also Um, here's an update yes you can oh well there you go awesome that's pretty fantastic. Uh, announced during last week's Nintendo Direct, migraine-inducing puzzle game Return of the Obra Dinn is making its way to Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and Nintendo Switch sometime this fall. Uh, this next one is for all those frugal gamers out there uh, taking advantage of their Xbox Game Pass. As of this recording, you can play uh, Motion Twins, Roguelike Dead Cells, and Flight School Studios in... Uh, I can't ever read my own writing sometimes. <laughs> um, inventive hack and slash pinball game Creature in the Well through uh, Game Pass. These will later be followed up on September 12th by Goner Blueberry Edition, which is uh, interesting. Uh, Enter the Gungeon and Bad North Jotun Edition. 
announced by developer uh, Concerned Ape on Twitter. Stardew Valley's 1.4 update will allow you to raise fish and collect their eggs for some nefarious purpose like the psychopaths you truly are. Yeah, that's what you get. I'm going to insult you guys every time Stardew Valley comes up. Suck it. Freaking stupid ass animations in that game. God. Um, this one is for that big. Josh Bowie. It's for me. Um, all the, <laughs> all those of Binding of Isaac and tactical card game fans out there, like our own biggest of average Josh Bowies, can now rejoice. Developer Edmund McMillan has confirmed on Twitter that the Legend of Bumbo, Binding of Isaac's prequel, will be coming to PC and Mac via Steam on November 12th and will be a roguelike deck builder in the same vein as games like Slay the Spire. I'm so, I'm so sick of people fucking bringing up Slay the Spire, dude. <laughs> Every time a goddamn card game comes out, there's like, it's like Slay the Spire. Like that fucking, like Rogue, Rogue Book. Book. Yeah. They said Slay the Spire like 12 times. It's I get it. a good marketing point. People seem I mean, to like that game. That's definitely, it's fair. Like, you should bring it up because it seems like you could use it in tags. Like, Slay yeah. the Spire-like, but it's just getting annoying, I mean, dude. it's becoming like the the wave of a genre and it's it's just the marking point it's becoming its own genre like slay the spot like people will know more what you're trying to reference with your video game if you say it's like slay the spire versus a roguelike deck building like game it's that just, is true. Yeah, it gets the point across a lot faster. Yeah, it's synonymous with the genre itself, and it's just like, yep, this is what we're doing, and people get it, and they're like, oh, I like Slay the Spire. I like this. Why not? All right. So are you going to play The Legend Hell of Bumbo? fucking yes. I am super hyped. I love Binding of Isaac. I love the world and the environment. Like that, just the, the, the they have like this really wacky um, and dark just atmosphere that they bring with this game it looks a little strange because i don't care too much about bumbo um but the gameplay of it looks really neat and different even though they're saying it's going to be like slay the spire i basically looked at it at first and i was super confused i had no idea what was going on so i'm really interested to see more about how the gameplay actually works but it looks fun um, I don't know if you ever actually listened to this podcast, but uh, Adam Conover did the podcast Humans Who Make Games for quite a while, and he actually had Edmund McMillan on, and I can't remember specifically if Ed said that he was working on a roguelike deck builder or that he wanted to make a game similar to Slay the Spire, mm. but it seems like, yeah, he ended up doing I it. I guess so. That's I listened sweet. to that podcast, but I don't remember listening to his episode, which seems strange because I feel like that would have been one of the first ones I would go to. Yeah, I don't know why you wouldn't listen to that one. That's Foolish. kind of, yeah, it's a big one there. Uh, our next news story in new stuff is Souls-like action RPG Ashen is getting its first DLC titled Nigh Storm Isle on September 6th. Uh, those looking forward to playing it can download it on Xbox One and PC through the Epic Game Store. Sadly, as of right now, there is no confirmation on if the DLC will be coming to the PlayStation 4, Nintendo Switch, and Steam versions of the game when they release this December 9th. Uh, there's, there's no news on it, but I definitely think they will be. 
Like, let's be real. They should probably come out. Um, Dead Toast Entertainment's My Friend Pedro is officially getting a physical release this November 12th. Purchasers will not only get the game, but also an 11 by 17 poster and a digital download of the game's soundtrack, all for the low price of $29.99. Get that physical so copy. Low. Yeah, it's extremely low. I mean, the game is only like 20 bucks or $15, so you're only kind of paying like double. So it's it's totally oh, fine, guys. <laughs> Put that on the box. It's only double. I honestly wouldn't. I I I definitely believe that uh, Dead Toast Entertainment and Devolver Digital would totally put that on the yeah. box as like a poll quote or something. <laughs> like it's only double. I hope they I hope they pull it. We'll get so much That'd traction. Be fantastic. <laughs> Uh, new seemingly pacifist Metroidvania, Mabel in the Woods, is coming to Nintendo Switch on October 10th. Uh, officially confirmed by developers Yacht Club Games after having leaked through GameStop last week uh, comes a Golden Shovel Knight mm. Amiibo, which will be available alongside the Shovel Knight Triple Pack when it launches this December. Mm. I'm going to pick that shit up, dude. I've already got the Shovel Knight Amiibo, but that one's gold. <laughs> it's freaking cool. Gotta go golden. Yeah, it looks fantastic. Uh, our next news story, troublemaking text-based adventure game Dark Room is officially returning to the Nintendo Switch eShop after having been removed on April 26, 2019 for having a unique Easter egg that allowed players to unlock a code editor on Nintendo Switch. Uh, this feature was later removed from the game via an update from the developers, hence its reinstatement. Um <laughs> As of this recording, you can pick up a new space uh, simulator called The Long Journey Home on the Nintendo Switch. Grotesque horror game Omen Exitio Plague, maybe, uh, is out now on the Nintendo Switch. And uh, all it will cost you is both a new pair of pants and, of course, $9.99. Uh, yeah, you'd have to buy a new pair of pants mostly because the cover art is... C- it's kind of like a bunch of worms crawling into somebody's eye, which is just Ooh. just straight up disgusting. I don't like that. I'm just, yeah, not a fan. I I kind of got freaked out by looking at it. Just not 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 for me. I'm just going to leave it at that. Right. Uh, our next one is for all those fans of Around the Worlds in 80 Days that are listening today. Uh, strategy adventure game 80 Days will hit the shelves of the Nintendo eShop on October 1st, including all the additional content added after its initial release, but sadly lacking any performance by martial arts superstar Jackie Chan. <gasps> I wish he was in it. That'd be so cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, damn. Apparently, he's a big thing overseas. He's I mean, still, like, one of the highest-paid actors. Yeah. It's pretty remarkable. I don't know. He's a, he's an interesting dude. What are you going to do? Yeah, he's pretty fantastic. Um, and last but not least in new stuff, according to Polygon, your next free indie game provided by that their Epic Game Store will be Lovecraftian Horror Puzzler. Can- Canarium, maybe? C-O-N-A-R-I-U-M. They only included one. In their article, uh, as an update from the Abzu and whatever other game. Uh, the End, the is, end nigh. is Nigh. Yeah, yeah. They only added the one, so I'm not sure if Epic's next free game release is just going to be the one game or uh, if Polygon just didn't know. What no, I think I saw recently, and let me check, because Epic does have on their site, they show what's coming next, and it only had the one. Let me double check, but I'm pretty sure they just went back to one game this time. 
Did they have one game initially? Yeah, yeah, Because I did. know that they, they, they were only offering, like... Okay, so it was just, like, one every month, right? Yeah, it was... It was weird. It, it keeps, like, changing because it used to be, uh, from what I can remember, one every month, and now they're doing it, like, one every week or so, and now, like, they're changing it. They had, like, two every time, and now it's going back to one. So, like, I don't know if Epic even knows really what they're doing. <laughs> I think I think they're just... They probably had a, a, a certain amount of games, and they have, like, a roadmap, and they were like, hmm, we have more games than we need. So they're just like, let's put uh, a couple weeks where we give out two instead. Like, yeah, they're just, like, hucking them. Yeah. Like, freaking candy and Halloween bags. They're just like, I don't know. I still got some. Just take it. Yeah, pretty dude. much. I mean, they're trying to get those kids in, you know? You got to get uh, you on the Fortnite, and then they're like, you sure you don't want to play all of these other games here? And they're like, mm-hmm, all right, I guess so. I honestly thought you were going somewhere else with that because I was talking about, like, giving candy to kids, and you're like, they're trying to get those kids in. And I was like, where are you going with this? <laughs> oh, my God, no. My innocent mind would never go to that. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking of that at all. <laughs> I was like, hmm? What's happening right now? <laughs> Ooh, this podcast taking a turn. Yeah, into pedophilia. All right, so <laughs> we've been blessed with so many amazing indie games news stories today. Now I think it's about time we give back to the creators. In our next segment, God Bless the Crowd, this is where the biggest of average Josh Boys goes in to all sorts of different <clears throat> crowdfunding sites, find some awesome indie games for us to chat about, and we do that. It's pretty exciting. It's true. Uh, today we've got two awesome indie games in God Bless the Crowd. We've got Savior, which use your wits, combat, and parkour to rebuild a divided world in this 2D action adventure. And Rogue Star Rescue, a bullet hell insanity. <laughs> okay, so this is kind of weird. Bullet Hell Insanity plus Tower Defense Strategy, a breath of fresh air for roguelike games. So let's talk about Savior. And I'm gonna get just I'm gonna I'm gonna come right off the bat and say this trailer and get ready for this. Oh, here we go. Yeah, yeah, because I talk a lot of shit about trailers. So you guys should know what's about to happen. This freaking trailer right here, dude, is awesome. Wow. This trailer is fantastic. I love this trailer. I'm gonna tell you right now. Every beef that I would possibly have with this game, not. Not even a little bit. I'm totally sold on this game. This game looks amazing. It doesn't have weird-ass animations, which it seems like it should, considering it's a 2D pixel-like action platformer Mm -hmm. that includes just freakishly, like, well-animated parkour. Yeah. It looks awesome. (laughs) Um, So... Savior is asking for $48,000. That is their goal. They currently have 40, uh, not 40, 466 backers with 28 days left to go. They seem to be, I think it said there were like 20 some odd. Um, seems to be like they're about a third of the way to their goal. Mm-hmm. I definitely think that they will hit their goal because this game looks dope. <laughs> I'm very excited for it. Yeah. I, I really like the thing that gets me actually that, kind of breaks this uh across from other games of the same caliber is really the fact that you have the parkour thing which is super just different i guess inside a pixel platformer um and then you're gonna say the multi-directional combat well that is one thing which i honestly i'm not as interested in just because i feel like it's going to be annoying (laughs) what it's so cool (laughs) it looks like freaking it looks like kung fu movies i mean it like it looks cool but i feel like playing it i'm gonna be dog shit 
of trying to actually work the controls the way they're supposed to. So I feel like it's probably not going to be for me. That's um, true. It's like me playing For Honor. I just get my ass whipped all the time. <laughs> but I really like the fact that part of it is the use wits thing that they're trying to push along. And it's like you can talk your way out of certain uh, situations, it seems like, or change what exactly will happen based on the text choices you make i don't know how much they'll go into that um but if they push that as a big angle i think that would make it a little bit better for me as well um yeah down in their combat section they have like be unconventional when encountering an aggressor you'll have options douse them with water intimidate them with staff spins or impress them with epic dance moves yeah so that kind of stuff like so so off of what the i mean the trailer doesn't really do that part justice um because that's a good point it's obviously yeah. showing the combat so it's like i don't know how deep they're gonna dive into that ordeal um but if they play into that a little bit more than they did with the trailer i feel like this would be a good game for me just because i like that kind of stuff like anytime i play rpgs like the fallout games i usually try to go into really like charismatic really personable try to talk my way out of things and be conniving that way and get out of things and then have like you know certain skills to get my way out of situations where i'm like oh not gonna talk my way out of this one gotta blast some baddies but like i enjoy the the strategy of trying to talk my way out of things as well in games like this i think this game is so cool Honestly, I think basically everything about it is cool. I like the multiple ways that you can get through situations like you do. I love the actual just seemingly moment-to-moment gameplay of this game. The parkour looks amazing. The combat looks awesome. I love that it's obviously reminiscent of like older, seemingly reminiscent of older kung fu movies like I've said. Mm-hmm. I I honestly am just so sold on this game. This game looks so cool. I want it to succeed. And the fact that she uses a bow staff is real cool. Because I like bow staffs. <laughs> I like me some Donatello, guys. Yeah. Um, wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's true. And honestly, it's not a bad price point. It's 15 bucks to get the game. Uh, and your name in the credits. And your name mm-hmm. in the credits, which is generally a thing. But yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's like I said, not a not a high price point. Um, it looks like it'll definitely be worth it, especially if you like platformers or games of this type of, you know, combat caliber. Um, I really, once again, think that if they go a little bit more into the kind of stuff that we were talking about of the more unconventional side of things, that this will definitely be something that will have high contention of being, you know, up there in the top indie games. The only issue that I even... So what consoles is this coming to? Does it already say? Or is it only coming in this freaking like weird-ass SNES-style thing? Oh, okay. No, so that, it is obviously coming to Steam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that is just... They, they have it in uh, one of the screenshots. It just says the... It looks like an SNES box, but it just says mock-up for nostalgic homage only. No actual physical copy available currently. Mm, okay so i kind of wanted to know what other platforms it was coming to because at the moment they only have their stretch goals as a steerable dragon and the dancing mini game Mm -hmm. which i like because they're not making crazy ass promises like a lot of kickstarters do but i also don't enjoy that they aren't including the like standard oh it's also coming to switch or whatever yeah like 
I think I would think that would be your like first goal. I think they have somewhere in this. I don't remember if it was this one or the next, but I feel like there was somewhere written, and I can't scroll through it right now just to find the exact text. But there was somewhere where they said that more would come later as time goes on, depending on how much you know uh, financial um, rep not revenue, but how much they actually make from this Kickstarter to depend on new goals that will come out later. Um, so it's very likely, and I would assume that, you know, we've talked about it, the Nintendo Switch is like an indie gold mine. <laughs> uh, people really want to put their platform out there just because they'll get a ton of money because people eat up indies like hotcakes on the Switch. So I think it would be in their best interest. I just think it's probably going to be something where they're biding their time before they put more into it based on where they feel financially they can actually go and they also might do something like i said that you know i've seen in the past with kickstarters where after they initially launch they start getting some from those you know those first few backers so they have like 400 or something i think it was right now um they start surveying those backers and say like hey what would you really want? Like, is there something that you would pledge more for to get like certain stretch goals of like things like that so that they can assess who they already have and what their audience looks like to know what to actually offer as goals. That'd be pretty sweet. I like that. Like they, they aren't making outrageous promises in the beginning. Instead that later on, they'll probably end up just asking what people would want. Right. That's pretty sweet. I like that a lot. Uh, so this game, I would absolutely recommend. This is Savior. It's over on Kickstarter. Make sure you guys check it out. Let's hop over to our other Kickstarter campaign we've got here. It is Rogue Star Rescue. This is the bullet hell insanity plus tower defense strategy, a breath of fresh air for roguelike games. They are asking for $18,262. They currently have 31 backers with 28 days left to go. Um, so I like the look of this game. I like the art style a lot. I think it looks interesting. Mm-hmm. And I do enjoy the idea of mixing both tower defense and roguelike, uh, like uh, procedurally generated levels and such. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't know. This, I, I don't know if this is going to be the biggest hit. Like the, the game looks really cool. Mm-hmm. I like a lot about it. It just doesn't seem to have like a whole lot of lasting value for me for some reason mm. which is odd because they they say like in their trailer and they say in uh their like in their kickstarter that it has multiple endings there are different ways to go through the game but for some reason it's just it's just not getting me mm-hmm. it just doesn't seem that interesting it doesn't seem to be the breath of fresh air that they seemingly want it to be yeah um it's interesting if you want to know a little bit more about it we actually uh which is kind of funny because i didn't even realize until a little bit ago but we actually did an interview with the developers for this game up on parallax media but it was like a few months ago that uh we actually did the interview so i was a little bit surprised i was like oh is this the same game um but it was just at the time they were working on it honestly i i have the same kind of feel that you do of like i'm not really too sure about it um i love the fact that they're implementing kind of like the old Star Fox style of like going to different worlds um it looked like um and i don't know if that's based on the same mentality of Star Fox of like if you complete certain objectives you'll go to a different area or if that's just you choosing it um 
I like the fact that it's adding that extra element. I've been a big um, backer of the idea of mixing genres. We talked about it a lot in uh, last episode when I talked about Atomicrops and adding that farming simulator with a bullet hell type game. So this is kind of like right up my alley for the same style, but there's something about this game right now. And granted, once again, this is a Kickstarter, so it's nowhere near finished in that sense. But something about the visuals to it make it seem a little bit lackluster in my opinion um and i think that's what's really not selling me right now i think a lot of this has super good potential but there's just something about the way it looks right now the enemies and the structures inside the game it doesn't really fit the way i would want it to i don't know if that makes sense but it has like i said a lot of potential in the theme of it and i think it could do really well just i don't know if right now is a good showing of where i want the game to be when it's fully flushed out does that make sense yeah 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 that makes sense like you it, it just looks really early i guess yeah it, so it seems to be where you're going i mean this is and this is kind of one of those things that we talk about with kickstarter a lot is like kickstarter is an investment it's a you saying you feel that this idea or this concept is something you personally think will be successful. So, yeah, so you got to kind of bring your A game. Yeah, kind of a thing where like in certain Kickstarters, it's more of a risk, obviously, because certain games are not as fully flushed out. Um, and this is one of those things where I feel like this is a little bit more of a risk. But if done correctly, I definitely think a tower defense slash uh, roguelike in this style can work out. I, I don't know if it's like they're saying the brush of uh, brush the f- fresh air the breath of fresh air the breath of fresh air I don't know why air. I couldn't say that properly the brush the brush <laughs> I'm mixing up uh, words here finally that's gonna be your fries day my fries day is my brush <laughs> <laughs> my brush of fresh air anyway uh, so I don't know about that because there have been games that have done this style. I I wish I could remember the name of it right now, but there is a tower defense game that is like this where it's it's a 3D game. I don't remember the name of it, but there was like two of them that were made. It was a sequel um, or a series, but it had the same kind of strategy where you had a character and the enemies that were walking, you would build your towers in one phase and then you would go and actually attack them in another to help out your turrets. So this isn't like something that has never before been done but i do like the concept of it being roguelike and having that replayability and that different track that adds to that um i'm kind of i'm wondering if this is what i'm thinking about it kind of looks like locks quest for me like uh, but i think locks quest is more of a tower defense like strategy than it is actually any sort of like roguelike Mm. um so Something that I wanted to bring up. So you brought up kind of those the dual structure of games like Atomicrops. They, right. It, it's nice because you're not just playing a roguelike. You're also playing that farming simulator. I think the reason why I don't find this to be such a breath of fresh air isn't because fresh. something like this already yeah the brush um the reason that i feel like it's not that isn't because this has already been done before done better anything like that it's because a game like atomicrops it has that anxiety inducing bullet hell and then it has that kind of i'm assuming calmer like more serene experience i would say with like actual farming simulators Mm. and like 
I, I'm saying that from inexperience, but it seems like that wouldn't be as anxiety-inducing as something like a bullet hell versus, like, including tower defense of, elements. Yeah, of having just constant waves and insanity, that it might be too yeah. much, almost. It Yeah, it's kind of like, instead of giving a breath of fresh air, it just seems to be, like, adding an additional layer of anxiety. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but for some people, that might be their thing, to be honest. So, it, it, like, yeah. it might not speak to you, but it possibly will speak to others that want that kind of challenge the game i was thinking of is called sanctum sanctum one and two um which Mm. had that same style of a tower defense and also while the enemies are coming up you can shoot at it stand in front of the way of the enemies and things like that so i like i said this isn't one of those things where it's like never been done before um i don't think it's ever been done in a roguelike situation though and that might add a lot of elements of interest to people um but I, I still think it's a, a good buy in a sense of if you're a fan of both genres, you might enjoy this and this might be, you know, something that you never had and you were looking for. Um, I'm personally not a fan of tower defense games, so it's definitely not going to be for me. Um, but it does have some interesting elements that I think will be beneficial to the series anyway. All right, then. Well, I think it's about time we cool down this podcast and just hop into our last segment. This is our random questions for today. Uh, So I generally put out a poll on Mondays to ask people for their questions. Uh, They did not actually give me questions. They liked it a whole lot, though. So that was nice. I really enjoyed that. (laughs) Thank you, guys. (laughs) They, They like the idea of us having questions, but not actually giving us questions. Yeah, I like the, uh, have you ever seen those pictures that are like the like button is actually uh, for people who don't want to add to the conversation, but want to show to you that they actually saw your tweet? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's yeah. really I was what like, the heart. Boom. That's exactly what it's for. Yeah. That heart button on Twitter is literally just a like, it's just, yep. It's an acknowledgement. It's just a checkbox of being. Like, I also I hate that this. it's called a like. I, I don't like that it's called a like. Because if someone because has like a terrible message of like hey yeah, something you like it yeah like something horrible happened to me and you're like all right i'll give it a heart because i'm an asshole <laughs> like yeah it sounds like you're saying you enjoy their pain and you're like that's not what i meant at all mm-hmm. that's i just meant to like show you support but not actually support you <laughs> it's like the lazy man support system yeah <laughs> Uh, But this week, I want to talk to you guys about the sketchiness around Borderlands 3's reviews. So from what I understand, and this comes uh, from a couple different sources. One, uh, they talked about it on the Handsome Phantom podcast, another podcast within our podcast network. Uh, They talked, uh, Jason Schreier wrote about it on Kotaku. So what has happened with these Borderlands 3 reviews, which I know, of course, this is an indie games podcast, and this is not an indie game. But this is kind of just a chill moment. Let's talk about some video games. Let's talk about the wider industry. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what happened is they, instead of sending out standard review codes for these Borderlands, uh, instead of sending out standard review codes like they normally would, instead they sent a select group of reviewers weird ass like epic game store keys that allowed them to play an earlier version of the game so not from what i understand it is not the final build of the game but instead an earlier version um because of this like questions have come up about maybe the inclusion of egregious loot boxes and that's why Mm. they didn't 
have uh, that's why they didn't give them the actual copy of the game. Um, so I just it's it's just kind of weird and there is the added like little bit of if it brings reviews into question so let's say the game actually comes out which i believe it comes out on friday maybe let's let's look <laughs> um borderlands 3 it might actually already be out so i would assume if something was really weird about this we would have actually already seen some stuff borderlands 3 release date yeah, uh 13th, it is released so on is the friday. 13th yeah, so this Friday it's going to come out and people are thinking that like maybe reviews are going to be in a sense like wrong, yeah, not opinion-wise. Right. Yeah, but because they saw a version of the game that might not actually be the game that exists later on, mm-hmm. art-wise, mechanics-wise. Um so it seems like there's some weird shit going on with Borderlands 3 re- reviews and I want to know how you feel about that. Hmm. I mean, it's a little strange. I think the concept of, and I I understand that obviously, like the whole review process from the games industry is a little difficult in the sense that like games aren't the same as movies where you have like that two hours to watch and usually you can be done with a movie before it's like officially released and the person can consume that and they can take that and, you know, run with that in a much smaller time chunk whereas with video games it's it's pretty tough because maybe like this could be an innocent thing where borderlands just they like their team gearbox just really needed that time to actually fully finish the game and they were worried about having and you know one of those incidents where they don't give out their game until the actual date that it's released and then they don't have people reviewing it within time or they have people crunching to just try and get to that review and that's not a good thing either um granted i don't know if it is this situation and based on the context around what we've heard probably not but there is that whole like there's a time crunch to putting out video games and adding a layer of inevitable crunch because we're forcing those game developers to make it so that the different journalists can give a full-fledged review out is kind of terrible in a sense just because you know yeah they should allot time for that but it it does just make it tougher for deadlines go so i I don't really know i'm like i don't know enough to make a decision and i think it's really going to be one of those things where we kind of have to wait it out and see and hopefully we're wrong and it comes out and it's you know very similar to what the builds and what the reviews were like um but if not then like yeah there's some shady stuff going on i really don't know uh i generally won't get to play it anyway because i made a pact with a bunch of people that we were going to wait to uh for it to come to to steam Steam. Uh, you turds i mean (laughs) I'm really on this, like, I've made this pack. This is not about the, the random question thing, but I've made this pack, and I'm trying to stick to it as much as I can. I've been playing on, like, games on the Epic Game Store a lot recently, and it's because they keep giving these free ones. I won't give them any of my actual money, but I'll use their platform for all these free games they're chucking at me. <laughs> yes, as you iterated last week. <laughs> so, you refuse to give them any money. <laughs> I will not. And I almost broke it, too, because the, I really want to play Control. It just recently came out, and they're doing this crazy deal where it was, like, only 20-something bucks. And I was like, that's, like, insane, because it just came out. But I, I just I don't want to break my pact. 
All right. Well, when it comes to this Borderlands 3 situation, I mean, there could be, like, I'm not 100%. I, I might have missed when you said it. I might have just glanced over it. I'm going to be honest. I was looking something up while you were talking. It's all good. Um, you brought up possibly, like, them needing more time to finish uh like the the build of the game right. or whatever so maybe that's why they gave them early access pieces mm-hmm. the game went gold uh like July 31st so they've mm-hmm. had like su- supposedly they have had a finished version of this game for quite a while i don't know if the the version that people are playing is the version that went gold and mm-hmm. they're just currently working on updates that are going to come in a day 1 edition I don't know what's happening mm-hmm. with this, but this is a weird ass situation. No excuses. I'm so excited to see what's going on. Maybe there's something that they like. There's like a big, uh, weird end game thing that they really just don't want people to see, and they're trying to be really weird about it. Supposedly, uh, the reason that they gave for doing it this way is uh, to combat like leaks. It, they mm-hmm. said it was for security reasons, which has made people believe that like they talked about this on the HP podcast uh, that it's possible that they saw that there were leaks coming from within certain oh, news yeah. organizations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember hearing a little bit about that. So I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, I think if that if that is true, and they wanted to just make sure that no leaks were going to happen, it hmm. in a way makes sense that they wouldn't send it to Kotaku, because Kotaku is kind of like, uh, I would say they have journalistic integrity, which sounds really bad, and it's because in a way it is. They often report on things that are going to get them in trouble, like right. leaks. So. I, I don't really know. I mean, and Kotaku has been known to be blackballed by a bunch of different publishers, including, like, I think Bethesda and Ubisoft because of reporting on leaks. Mm-hmm. So that kind of sucks for them. It ultimately sucks for all these people who weren't chosen, like Kotaku, Easy Allies. Both of these, like, massive companies or just massive, like, they aren't technically massive companies in Easy Allies' case, but it's just a I mean, big news big organization. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it's it's massive in a following way, like you said. Uh, but they're not getting this game for just weird-ass reasons. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what's going on, but I'm excited to find out on Friday. Maybe the game will just be super fucked up. Yeah, we can only hope. <laughs> Maybe it'll be a freaking uh, bloodstained thing where it's just like ball sack on some platforms Uh, maybe i don't know i i highly doubt it i honestly i think it's i mean i'm sure they'll have some form of like loot box agenda to it but i don't think it'll be that egregious where they really would have needed to change it up and make it like oh we sent you this weird copy that doesn't have it and even if it does this just really goes into our whole talk that we've had you know a couple of times before on this uh this show is just there should be re-reviews like if they put out something that just is horrible and would knock the game a few pegs it is up to those journals or journalistic like integrity structure of that platform whoever it may be that has reviewed this to change that and basically say hey this is an edit because the copy that we got was not the final one that everyone will actually consume yeah, they should reflect that final copy, that final code within their review score. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, we talk about that a lot. I, I think if it ends up coming out and there is some sort of 
like sketchy stuff that are happening with loot boxes and they kind of just wanted to cover up the addition like the the inclusion of loot boxes that's not going to be a good look right because not only are they trying to hide loot boxes there's also like some big issues with like NBA 2K20 or whatever having egregious like loot boxes seemingly and like a whole casino trailer <laughs> and the fact that like literally Activision and uh what am I thinking of um Activision and uh, Crash Bandicoot mm. the 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 Crash Team the Racing Kart Racer yeah, Crash Team Racing, that's the name of it. I, for some reason, couldn't remember how they released. Like, they have been kind of in the hot seat. They've been having some problems with gamers right now because they did have, they delayed their loot boxes coming to actual Crash Team Racing until after review copies and people had already purchased the game. Right. They're in the hot seat for that. And if 2K and Gearbox come out and freaking do basically the exact same thing, in a way, with Borderlands, there's there's gonna be problems, I mean, and yeah. people are gonna like fuck their shit up. I'm sure. I yeah. I feel like that. Like because there's such a big fan base behind Borderlands that I feel like that would get so much, just uh, an immense amount of hate, and you know, ask for something to be changed. I can't imagine them trying to pull that with something like Borderlands. Yeah, yeah. Ultimately, loot boxes are a divisive issue, but if there's one thing that gamers really just have honed in on, it's when people lie about loot boxes, and that's a, a real big issue. <laughs> if gamers, like, are no longer divided and are, in, are just, like, entire, they're together against something, you know that it's real fucked up. So, yeah, yeah just don't hide your loot boxes. How about that? Like, inclusion of it, I don't have any problem with it, if I'm being 100% honest, as long as they're not super egregious and pay to win. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, I'm fine with it, too. If it's just, like, a cosmetic thing, like, who cares? Like, if you really want it, you could pay for it. If not, I won't do it, so whatever. Yeah, it's just an additional revenue source. Right. It's just kind of that thing. But that's the end of this podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you guys like indie games and you want to stay up to date, make sure to subscribe on all sorts of podcast feeds, mainly just your favorite. But, I mean, if you want to subscribe on all of them, that'd be cool. I don't I don't know how you're getting all of them on your phone. <laughs> I don't know. Considering there's, like, you know, platform restrictions. But uh, yeah. good for you, dude. <laughs> like, it's awesome. I'm proud of you for being such a cyber sleuth, you know? That's what they do. Yeah, that's I I hope not, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's the end of this podcast. Thanks so much for listening. If you guys would like to chat with us outside the show or write in with your comments, you can follow the show itself at IndiePod on Twitter. You can follow me at Hyde Legion, and you can follow the big Josh boy at the underscore George 90. Also, make sure to check out the other podcasts featured within the HP po- uh, Video Game Podcast Network. There is now a Twitter profile up for it, so make sure you Ooh, follow that Twitter nice. profile. Yes, there's going to be, as far as I know, there's going to be actual news on the podcast within it. And just check out some of the other podcasts. I brought up the HP podcast so many times within this. It's a great podcast. Also, (laughs) check out Active Quest. These are two fantastic podcasts. And a quick shout out to Joseph Yaden. Apparently, the reason he was not actually on last week's episode of Active Quest was because he got a last minute, like, uh, not necessarily like a job offer, but a freelance offer mm-hmm. from IGN to write the Astral Chain 
guide, which is so amazing. Congratulate him over on Twitter. That's such a big thing for him because he's such a big fan of IGN and wants to write for them Mm -hmm. specifically. Like, that's his dream. So, seriously, just kudos to him. Congratulations. That's amazing. Uh, Make sure you guys check out his podcast. Once again, for the third time, that's it for this episode of (laughs) Indie Incursion (laughs) and Indie Game Podcast. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye, guys.